Hey guys, this is Brand Fam here. Please check out our proud partner, 80.lv's articles from last week. Most notably, a game that has Desert, Mobius, Style, Unity 5, and Martin art mixed into one game. It's a small indie studio from North London that is working on a really good looking game and some very clever visuals. Also, there's an article about achieving mood with light and color. So talking to an artist, John Arellano, about his approach to the production of rich and colorful 3D environments. Currently, John is working on the huge MMOG from Intrepid Studios as a senior environment artist. So be sure to check those out and give our friends a like over there. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls all over the world, this is the Golden Voice, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team, the number one podcast for video game development and the lifestyle thereof, independently at least. (laughs) My name is Larry Charles, and with me this week is the two-time All-American Cheeseburger Champion, Burger Flipper, Slash environment artist, Mr. Brandon Fan. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Full-time burger flipper, part-time game developer here, Brandon Fam. Please welcome our special guest this week, Roger Lungdean. What's up, Roger? Hey, how you doing, guys? <laughs> how you doing, Roger? Welcome. Glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, thanks yeah, for having me. I need to apologize to the audience. I'm no longer going to do random intros. I'm going to write these down like a day in advance. That was terrible. I don't know. Pretty good uh, impromptu there. As it was going, I just realized I was dying. <laughs> I was like, uh, I got nothing. It's part of yeah. the charm, man. People just sit in and just wait for what you're going to say. Remember, your your game uh, game devs unchained and unchained. unscripted. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Unorganized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Roger, uh, this is the part where we kind of ask you about your resume. Just give us a little background here. What's going on? Uh, you bet, Brandon. Um, so, uh, I, being in the video game industry, um, I'm a specialist, and my title is I'm an architect and environment designer. Oh, nice. And uh, so I went to architecture school in 1990, uh, graduated in 1996, and then um, worked in architecture, uh, small, medium, large firms, uh, did all the corporate stuff for 11 years, and then did three years where I was a union set designer in L.A., and that kind of caught the bug for working on environments that that had that supported um, story and fiction and you know just fictional environments creating these these worlds. Um, and then um, the recession hit in two thousand and eight. I kind of survived in architecture for two two more years, and then in two thousand and ten, um, I. I mean, it was kind of, you know, bottom of the barrel for architects. Architects were kind of the canaries in the mines for the, for the, uh, <laughs> for the recession, right? You know, everything, you just stop building period. Yes. Um, and, uh, I made the jump from, from there into the video game world and got a job with valve, which hi- hires architects, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I guess that will be kind of a, 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 a we can get into that 
some more too. There's some history there, but valve hires specialists in terms of they hire a real world economist, they hire, um, experimental psychologists. And then they also have, uh, two architects on staff right now that help out with, um, making environments and world building. Mm -hmm. Like this, like, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's so unique to actually have an architect on the environment team. I mean, Valve is like one of the few uh, developers in the world that is like above the norm <laughs> that is able to look at, <laughs> you know, how do we amp this up, this successful formula that we've already been like doing for the last few years? Like, what is the next level? And, to, and yeah, like you said, hiring a real, real uh, economist working on their whole uh, STEAM Economy. All that free to play stuff, yeah, All and free to yeah. play stuff, and like, who thinks of that in in that way? They kind of pioneered that. I don't know if any any other de- uh, developers have copy suit or anything, but I mean, I'm sure Blizzard has taken some notes and League of Legends at least, and all these guys. They're definitely an outlier <laughs> in the industry. Um, I guess if there's a need, you know, they'll they'll find a way to fill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is which is pretty cool. And then with uh, the Steam money, um, mm-hmm. you know they they can they have those resources to be able to to do something like that. Which uh, most developers probably, you know, that's just not not in the realm. What's in the realm is to to have a traditionally structured studio. Mm-hmm. So working in uh, as an architect for that many years and being in the game industry for this many years, uh, what are the key differences in, <laughs> in, terms, in terms of, yeah, in terms of workflow, like in terms of everything, really like I can't everything really... changes. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Basically I've, I've changed uh, industries three times between architecture and film. And then um, now the video game world um, and they're all different. They, um, they have their own. The official term is like discourse community, right? Besides being a different profession, they got their own different lingo, you know, and, and I guess the only unifying thing through those three careers is that I, I go in and I work on environments. Um, but uh, the cool thing with the video game world is, uh, you know, it, when you're designing a building, um, it, it's almost like the design part is 10% inspiration. And then, then you have to do all the work, all the construction documents, maybe even manage the construction if the building actually gets built. So you're, that's the 90% perspiration. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like I get a design a lot more every day, which is, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Do you feel like it's uh, more fun to you to design actual structures and environments that have to, you know, hold weight or have maintained structural integrity or not having the constraints and doing it in 3D where it's like, eh, it just needs to look good. That is the whole reason I went to 3D, man. <laughs> Fictional <laughs> environments. Yeah, exactly. Don't have to deal with building codes and don't have to deal with real world uh, schedules and budgets. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think that's one of the pleasures of working um, in the video game world and within an art department. Um, 
I'm aware of the the rules of how um, a building should, goes together. You know, uh, whether it be concrete construction, steel construction, wood construction, I'm aware of the details. But what I love is, you know, working with environment artists. I have so much respect for the structure of of a traditional uh, video game company, and uh, I, I love how environment artists will break the rules. You know, it's like so I can design something that can be. Uh, give environment, the environment artist structure, um, you know, create these systems, which is the egg. And then I'm like, here you go, crack the egg. Mm-hmm. And and they do that. They, they break the rules, which is pretty cool. Sometimes I'm too burdened by the rules, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I get to learn a lot from my fellow coworkers every day. Oh, awesome. When, when you're working in the architectural world, um, do you often see your work from start to finish or do you just hand off to, to a certain department at a certain stage? And how, how long is that process usually? Oh boy. Um, it greatly depends on, um, the size and scope of the project you're working on. Uh, but I'll just use a, a a corporate architecture example. Um, uh, I worked on um, the uh, children's hospital, the new children's hospital in Chicago, nice. Oh, nice. Um, and that was uh, that was a huge team. So maybe in total, we had about uh, twenty-five to thirty architects working on that. We had offices that were in LA. Um, the mothership for the firm I worked at was in Portland, and um, they had a little satellite office in Chicago for that project. Um, and that one was working on, uh, that one was, um, they're all different phases to projects too. So you have the initial design part, which is, um, schematic design. And then it goes into, uh, after the design has settled and been approved, it goes into design development. And then, there's a phase where you then turn the designs into actual construction documents mm-hmm. and, and that those construction documents are what goes to get the permit, what um, goes to the contractor uh, to actually build the building. And then once the building starts construction, that is a phase called um, construction administration or CA. And uh, so for a project of that size, maybe the, um, the architects that we're doing CA on it, maybe they took it out. Uh, I think it was about two and two years under construction, two, three years under construction. Mm. So, um, and in the large firm, I, I, I ended up jumping around a lot, um, in terms of working on different phases, different projects. Um, so it, it depends, man, but I'd say for, for, you know, you could, you could spend five years on a building, mm-hmm. you know, depending, especially if it's uh, something like the, the new children's uh, uh, hospital in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's on par with the video game world, right? You know, you, you, you spend three, four five years and uh, yeah, you just, you hope, uh, you hope now, I, now I'm in fear of like, Oh man, is this game I'm working on going to get canceled? <laughs> <laughs> And in the architecture world, it could be the same thing, like a oh, recession hits and you lose funding. Uh, and um, 
they'll cancel a project during during uh, schematic design or design development. But once it's under construction, more than likely it will go through. But it might happen. Yeah. Well, what was one of your favorite uh, environments to work on in the game industry since you've been here? Oh, uh, well, when I started at Valve, uh, they needed a real-world architect to help out with um, – I jumped on uh, Counter-Strike Go. Oh, nice. Um, and uh, I'd say my favorite like little environment that I worked on was um, – for that one was uh, um, the bank – DE Bank. Um, I made the design this little credit union, um, and then working on Evolve. I mean, just being able to do sci-fi. I mean, I, I love that genre, and uh, I have a lot to learn in that genre. So, I think um, I'm most uncomfortable doing sci-fi, but that's where I learn the most. So, that's definitely the most rewarding. Just trying to wrap my heads around breaking the rules, which uh, you, Brandon, are as a traditional environment artist, are, pro- are a lot better at than I am. Uh, I break <laughs> rules even when they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet there's a lot of artists that were like, rules? Wait, what? I didn't know about this. <laughs> just, this is just art for me. Yeah, man. It's like for most people, man, getting your first job at Valve is a home run. Yeah. <laughs> so was it like a... You were in Seattle at that time, or was it just something just came across? Uh, no, I was living in Portland, Oregon. But um, to give you a history there, uh, this I don't know, this, this won't be a short story, but um, my brother works at Valve, and he was one of the original, um, like, 15 guys. Shit. And he, uh, so he, he started working at Microsoft in 94, and he started, like, I think in 95 at the the fledgling um, Microsoft Game Studio, I believe is oh. what they called it. And he got approached by a guy named Gabe Newell. And wow. um, I think he, he essentially kind of, you know, uh, got cherry picked maybe to some degree or, or, um, just decided to take a chance on this, you know, uh, Mike Harrington and Gabe Newell that were, that were going to do this startup. And uh, so that was in 96. Um, I think when he, when they started up and then I finished architecture school in 96. And then, so over the years, you know, I, I'd be visiting him like in I think 97, 98, mm-hmm. going to their first office, like in Kirkland and, and my brother would be like showing me all this, you know, these cool environments he was working on. And, um, and then he'd be like, we'd be talking about the, um, the editor, um, which I don't know if it was even called hammer back then, but he, he would be like, Hey, is, uh, do you think architects would ever have a need for, for this kind of, these kind of tools? And then, me, on the other hand, you know, I, I was like, hey, do you think architects could ever contribute to, <laughs> I mean, what you're doing is, you know, you're, you're building spaces, you know, you're doing architecture, <laughs> just digital, all yeah. digital. Um, so that went on over the years, whether, it be, you know, visiting him in 98, 99, and 2000, 2001, we'd always have this conversation and I'd be, always be like, hey, I think you need architects to you know, they, they can help out with this. Um, 
And then cut to 2005, um, so about nine years after he had started, um, I took uh, a group of, uh, of architects uh, from the large firm I was working at, and we went to Valve and we got trained up on Hammer. Nice. Mm. And then, um, and then I, I jumped ship to the film industry in 2005. And then I got this call from him and, um, he was like, Hey Raj, um, do you think any of those guys that, that came to the training, do you think they'd be interested in working in the video game world? And, uh, I said, I think so. Yeah. You know, I'll, I think, you know, try these two guys. Um, my old coworkers. And um, so uh, my good buddy, Chris Chen, who I'd worked with at uh, this large corporate firm for many years. And he was, a, he was an awesome SketchUp dude. Uh, he was a great architect, great designer, uh, really good, um, really interested in new technologies and 3D programs. And um, so what it turned out, is um, Valve needed an architect for a game called Left 4 Dead. And cool. uh, so that uh, was Chris's first job. Um, he went through the whole interview process and he got hired on, started 2006 working on Left 4 Dead. And uh, I think my brother saw a need there in terms of, hey, real world environments, we need a real world architect to come help us out. Yeah. Big brother. <laughs> that's awesome man. yeah and then so chris chin was kind of known as the experiment you yeah. know uh as i think all maybe all the other specialists were kind of experiments too yeah uh and so cut to 2010 when the recession was hitting you know i called chris up um, my brother was like oh i gotta be hands off you know i i can't if you're interested in working here you know good luck <laughs> <laughs> And so uh, Chris Chin was kind of the one who um, it really ended up paving the way. Yeah. And the work, the work that he did on, on Left 4 Dead and then Left 4 Dead 2 and then on Portal 2, I think that helped pave the way. Yeah, that's awesome. So Left 4 Dead, uh, I remember, or if I remember correctly, you guys got it into Valve as like college student project and then Valve's very interested. And so they bring the college team in. Let me ask you this. Oh, sorry, have... Portal. Portal, that's Portal. Oh, portal. Oh, portal, thank you. Thank you, Portal, never mind. I thought Leopard did was the same, but that started with Turtle Rock, right? Yeah, sorry, yep. Yep, yep. My history is a little out of whack. Okay. No worries, no worries. I was going to say, did you have that moment where, like, you open up the student work and you're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> you know? I'm sure there was some of that on Portal. Well, Portal was just a well... Was a really good uh, college project and had a lot of potential, and they just bought the team and owns the license now. Yeah, I brought them all in and gave them a job. Um, I think like uh, that happened with a bunch of uh, their other IPs, uh, Counter Strike and Day of Defeat, and uh, Stardust Mod. Yeah, yeah, Team Fortress. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I think that's what's pretty darn cool about um, this industry is that, uh, I mean, you guys went to school, but you don't really have to go to school, right? Mm -hmm. You just, you could, you could just educate yourself by yourself and make a mod. 
yeah, just make something awesome and someone will see it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they, they, they're actually, um, they're still buying up mod teams. Um, there's the, the group of, of the, the modders who made, um, is it Kerbal, Kerbal Space Station? Kerbal. Kerbal Space Station. Late. I believe. Yeah, lately. I think that I think that just happened uh, about four or five months ago, six months ago. So um, I wasn't aware that they're still buying up mods. Uh, they didn't buy the mods. Sorry. They they I, I think they just gave that entire team jobs. Nice. They wanted wow. it. So I think and those guys are out of um, Mexico, I believe. Damn. Damn. So I don't know how many have uh, been gone up to Valve. But um, yeah, I, I just heard that the, whole, the, the crew from that made Kribble Space Station. Well, I've got a mod idea that I'm going to need you to let me know. <laughs> you don't mind? Let's, let's nudge it over there. Yeah. Hey, steam early access, man. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, exactly. With Left 4 Dead, okay. So Left 4 Dead by that time was well in the tracks of the steam. The steam has already was up right at the time. Yep, I think so. Yeah, yep. Just, yeah, I want to. I want to say, was it two thousand and four? Yeah, like that. it was like roughly yeah. two two years before when it started to really yeah. pick up. Man, so you were there for a while, and uh, you were used to Seattle at that point, right? Well, I, well, actually, I was uh, I was working in Portland, Oregon, um, doing architecture, and then uh, so when I started at Valve in two thousand and ten. What I did is I commuted by train. <laughs> I would, yeah, yeah. I would, I would, I would take a three and a half hour train from Portland to Seattle um, Sunday night, and then I would come back Friday night. Dang! And I, and I just rented a crash pad. Oh, you couldn't even crash. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, he lives way outside of Seattle, uh, oh, Bellevue. Yeah. The, I, I rented a crash pad like uh, literally a block away from from the office in Bellevue. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to be, you know, before I made the move, I wanted to be like certain about it. Right. right, you right. Know, and make sure it was something real. And, um, my wife was working at Nike world headquarters in Portland. And, uh, so she had a good job and, uh, we loved Portland, man. Portland is, uh, Portland is the city I know the best. I've lived there for 13 years, so I really consider Portland kind of home. Mm. Um, as you know, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Because so I'm talking to you about Portland. <laughs> like all the time. <laughs> all the time, yeah. You're, well, you show up to work on your first day wearing a, uh, a white stag, you know, <laughs> shirt of Old Town Portland. And yeah. you're like, hey, man. Yeah, that, synergy that right shirts, there. Yeah. <laughs> Little did Brandon know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Larry. Listen. Larry, have you have you been in, up to Portland? I have not been to Oregon at all. Let alone oh, Portland. Man. It's it's the neighbor to the north, man. Yeah. You gotta go. <laughs> I've uh, I've been there digitally in about 1993 when I was in like sixth or fifth grade. Some what what grade would I have been when I was in elementary school? <laughs> uh, the Oregon Trail. So nice. I'm nice. familiar <laughs> with uh, the like six bit gray green and orange version of your town sir nice nice what about plenty seattle buffalo, from what i remember plenty of buffalo <laughs> <laughs> no i yeah Oregon, Oregon. and then uh have you been up to seattle 
Uh, no, no. Okay, man. We got Washington either. We got to take a road trip, guys. Hell yeah, let's do it. You, you got to film. You got to go with Game Dev on Chain on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I'll Look, be your tour does, guide. Does Seattle both, weather bother you? Both cities. Like that's the one thing I keep hearing about when it comes to Seattle. Yeah, man. It's um, it's nine months of uh, wet and gray. Um, mm. And it's, it, it's no joke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm wearing my Oregon Ducks shirt right now, and and you know the the Oregon a, a duck has webbed feet, right? So that's mm-hmm. the joke, right? Is that yeah, you're going to move to the Northwest and you're going to get webbed feet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, the trade off is because of all the rain. That's mm-hmm. why it's incredibly beautiful. I'm mm-hmm. the that's why it's so green. Right. Um, but, uh, you, yeah, you, you just, you got to get used to, um, going out when it's raining, you know, just wear a parka. Mm-hmm. If, if you wear an umbrella, if you use an umbrella you're you're definitely not a local. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. so how long did you do that crazy commute and stay? Uh, I did that crazy commute for a year and a half. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> with the kid, just with the wife, no kids at that time? Or? No kids at that time. That and sense. then the wife was pregnant. Um, and then uh, we moved up to Bellevue. She was about, uh, about seven months long, I think. Right. Um, yeah. So that, that was the interesting thing is that, um, I started Valve in 2010. Mm-hmm. I did that commuting for a year and a half. Finally moved the family, you know, felt it was secure, uh-huh. moved the family up mm-hmm. to Bellevue. And then uh, about eight months later, I got laid off. Oh. <laughs> Welcome. To the video game world, guys. Jeez, Welcome wow. to the video game industry. Yeah. That's <laughs> that sucks, man. Sorry. Yeah, but, that must uh, be tough. Yeah. So, so yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, at Did least you, with your time there, like, how was that? Once you got used to the transition and getting into the game industry and getting a feel for what it's like. I mean, did you, you were saying before that, you know, there's pluses and minuses with being architect, being in the film industry and being in the game industry. If you were to just average on a ranking scale, like how has your experience been for each industry? Um, I would say the video game industry is the best industry I've been in so far of those, you know, in terms of my career, um, architecture is brutal. And I don't, I don't know if you've ever had friends or family in the architecture world, but, um, it's, it's a tough, tough gig in this country. Um, the film world, um, set designing, um, was, was really interesting work, but, uh, you have to travel now because, the film industry is outside of LA. It's, 
yeah, New Zealand and like all these other places. Canada, man, Canada, you yeah. you are living out of a suitcase. Um, I would live out of a suitcase for nine months out of the year. So that was like, I it was great while I was single. Um, I had a really fun experience. I'd say my best experience was um, I worked on a film called uh, Three Ten to Yuma. Oh yeah, and uh, that was uh, with Christian Bale in it. Yeah, and um. Uh, Russell Crowe. So that was uh, Batman versus the gladiator yeah. in the wild <laughs> west. <laughs> and uh, that um, I went to, uh, that was shot in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico. So I was out there for four months and uh, yeah, I was single at the time. My family from Oregon came and visited. I got put up in this awesome little Adobe casita in the coolest area in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I personally never, never would have gone to Santa Fe, New Mexico, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for having a gig out there. So, um, in that sense, if you're young, you love to travel, man, the film industry is like thumbs up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, the video game world, uh, the video game world is, uh, I think, uh, the, the biggest Another thing I love about the video game world is, um, man, think about how much money we save on dry cleaning. (laughs) We don't have corp. We don't have a corporate gig. I mean, we could wear our pajamas every day to work. Mm -hmm. Yes. Some people do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I've seen seen some people take some very creative liberties with the pajama bottoms. I'll just say pajama bottoms, uh, plenty of, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, no, no socks and shoes people that are just barefooting around the office. And, uh, no so socks, yeah, that no shoes, no deodorant. Yeah. No shower. <laughs> Try that no in shame. the corporate American architecture yeah. workforce. Good luck. Yeah. Well, they get past the front door. That's the big difference, man. <laughs> so you, uh, you were kind of mentioning how, like the architect from, uh, industry being incredibly tough. Is it just the people or is it, because I, I always assume, like, being an architect, like, there can't be that many buildings in the world to build, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, you've nailed it. Yeah, like, so you're often you it. trying to just go for that one spot on... In- Massive competition, yeah. And uh, in this country, the issue is um, there are a lot of architecture schools. Um, architecture schools um, are... are big business and um they're pumping out more and more graduates that the profession cannot absorb so it's kind of and like <laughs> we're getting there we're getting we're going to get at that saturation point um our architecture has just been around well i mean egyptians you know the, the pharaohs had architects but in terms of uh you know this country um i mean this country was really built in the 20s in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s and then again, probably in the eighties. Um, but, uh, so, I mean, our industry now think about it, it's what really 90, 96 is kind of when it came to fruition. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're, we're still in a young industry, but eventually you're right. That's such, it's going to be, it's going to be like architecture where yeah. not enough jobs out there. Too many people want to get in. Their engines are getting freer and freer. Internet is getting faster and faster. Resources are commonly and readily available for less and less. Right. Everyone, right. Can, everyone with an internet connection can be a game developer these days. Right, right. That's, yeah, you're right. 
Um, but at least uh, you, Larry, as a, as a level designer, you, Brandon, as an environment artist, um, me, we're a part of the core dev team, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not just pushing buttons and um, outsourcing happens, but it's always a disaster. Yeah. It's always, always ends up being three times, takes, you know, three, four times as long and uh, takes um, is three times probably more expensive than it should be. Mm. Um, so they, you really don't save money that route. But uh, hopefully that will mean job security for us. I don't know. Yeah. Right. It's hard, getting harder and harder to make games. But uh, yeah, I don't think you can treat your core content team necessarily. Um, you know, you, you got to, I think you got to keep that core together, especially if you want to make solid, solid IPs, solid games. Yeah. Like the thing with game development is, like the teams that I have seen successful and able to repeat success is has always been keeping that core team together uh, over multiple projects. Like if you, even if you don't nail the first project, if you can still keep that team and transfer the knowledge and keep them intact onto the second project, you get better and better and better. Uh, and there's only a few companies out there that does it, Matt. Only a few. Only a few. Everyone always switches mid-project, end-project, layoffs, uh, better opportunities, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, it's crazy how often uh, these games don't make it past the finish line. And, and if they do, it, it's like it, it's a ready shit <laughs> on arrival. So Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, when we talk about Valve, the thing that we always think about is that handbook, uh, the employee handbook, yeah. and the the idealistic, uh, I you know, way to work and stuff. Was that surprising to you when you came there? And and uh, you know, I'm sure it was different than how it was. You saying in the architectural industry how. Uh, tough it is but like now like everyone can sit around let's just make games you want to make games you have an idea get a group together let's talk about it. like how big was valve when you got in at that point in uh 2005 oh no oh sorry uh, i got in 2010 2010 yeah um i don't know i think they're about uh maybe they're like 260 okay Man, um small <laughs> well yeah because they had um then a few months later, starting in uh, 2011, then they started the hardware uh, department. I see. Uh, um, yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, the yeah. Box, the controller. Yeah, that, yeah. Oh, Steambox controller, <laughs> AR, VR. You're yeah. right. Yeah. So they, they crewed up to that. By the time I left, I think it was probably 300 in 2013. And I'd say now they're, they're like, they're probably probably like 360 something like that that's still tiny man for a multi-million tiny. dollar industry uh company tiny i think the biggest shock was how small um steam uh steam support actually is um yeah you think that that department would just be huge but i uh, i have a feeling they're going to grow that department quite a bit 
Yeah. Yeah. They're making some big changes over there that I can see a lot of people needing to talk to someone about specifically going back to the steam demo reviews, get your money back on the refund. <laughs> I, I can see a lot of people on the phone yeah. trying to make their claim that no, no, I, I was under the two hour limit. As, as soon stuff. as I saw that, I, I assumed that they <laughs> said it was cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> people reselling their, their, like letting other people borrow for a fee or something. Mm. But it is a, definitely a thing that you need to tackle. It's weird. It's one of those things that like you got to give the freedom and see how it goes. And then you fix mm -hmm. it when it's being abused. But Yeah, they're, uh, they have access to all the data, right? So yeah. that's, that's what they're mining. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, if it doesn't work, they're definitely not afraid to uh, pivot. Mm -hmm. what's interesting though is uh and not to take things off topic but since we are talking about this one of the things that i've always worried about with those kinds of decisions is they actually change the meta market for game development right like when you start instituting policies developers start saying well if i make a game like this it may not work out so well for example i have a a, a linear hour and a half adventure that I want to sell for two bucks. Mm -hmm. As soon as like a couple of people get a hold of that, they can beat it and then return it under the time period and play your game for free. And that's totally legal in, you know, the EULA. So it's like, ah, I probably shouldn't make these types of games anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's always a, that's an crazy, huh? thing. Yeah. There's always going to be somebody gaming the system. Yeah. yeah. The dang customers. I wish they could just go back to paying 60 bucks a game like we used to. <laughs> oh, man. And but then I also wish developers would go back to offering the full game for 60 bucks. Don't most people wait for the Steam sales, though, too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, this game looks great. So, I can't yeah. wait for the discount. <laughs> yeah, I mean, only if you're really itching and you have to have it do people fork out the 60. More than likely, they'll wait. They'll be like, oh. Four months, it'll be. Do you guys have like off. special like a uh, celebration time every time there's a Steam sale? <laughs> no, it was actually. I mean, is it pretty? It was pretty chill. Um, there, it, it wasn't like uh, there was any. It, Money. I, I think that I think they have it planned. They have it planned out. Um, yeah, you, you you think well. Well, here's the thing: the celebration is the. Uh, the yearly trip to Hawaii. So that, Oh my God. All right. You got to expand on that. <laughs> so what do you mean a yearly trip to Hawaii? What is that? Uh, well, I, I got to go twice. I went twice. Um, and, uh, so valve will fly the entire staff and their family to, to Hawaii. They do that every year, every, it's like a spring break deal. And, um, it's a great recruiting tool. Uh -huh. So when I got laid off in February, the, uh, the Hawaii trip is end of March. So they probably, you know, you have your new employees start March and sometimes, uh, the new employee will be, um, that will be their indoctrination you know, the, Ooh, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're, they, they don't even step into the office first. First, they get on a plane, go to Hawaii. <laughs> Can't yeah. you believe it? That's crazy, man. And then a week later, you know, they're in the office working. 
<laughs> that's the best way to man is it like the last job i started my that's first day was crazy. t-shirt day right like here's your t-shirt, t-shirt and your coffee mug with our yeah. logo and there's your desk <laughs> yeah how long yeah, was it, that trip it's like for a week yeah that was uh yeah they'll fly you out on a on a saturday and then um uh you stay a full week basically in that um all that following, following sunday yeah all expenses paid um Jeez. for you and your 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 spouse and your kids um so i think i think it usually let's see the 2000 2011 and 12 when i went made there's probably like six to eight hundred people yeah that they they end up have it flying flying out uh-huh. yeah it's crazy it's, it's absolutely crazy but um you know, Valve is a marketplace and, uh, yeah. And fortunately they, um, that, that culture had existed, uh, once, um, Valve started doing well financially. And, uh, I think even before steam and like they, they would take a yearly trip, they'd go to Cabo or something like that. Uh And, uh, and then it, it just continued with the, with the success of steam. It became, Oh yeah. You know, we're, they're going to spend that money and fly everyone out there. And the cool thing, I, I got to give Val credit because, uh, it wasn't like, you know, this is a company vacation. You need to attend these, uh, um, uh, uh, here's your itinerary. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Your these learning lunches that you need to go to, and you need to take these educational courses, uh, like in the architecture world, it would have been for, uh, you, you know, you have, you have to have, uh, every, yearly to, um, if you're licensed, you have to maintain your certain credits and go to these learning, take these courses. Right. Um, man, uh, no, it was, it was just, Hey, we're on vacation. Uh, we offer, um, we have a free lunch, uh, a group lunch that you can go to or not go to. We've got a group dinner. Um, you can go to not go to, you know, they had it all scheduled out mm-hmm. and uh, there was, there's no, no seminars and classes where you or or team building stuff, you know, where you have to uh, do the trust fall of <laughs> the valve <laughs> firewalk. I'm, I'm going I'm to, exactly. I'm, I'm going to close my eyes and I hope Brandon will actually catch me. <laughs> yeah. You'll be on. <laughs> and then we're going to bond. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would not trust feats of strength to the average <laughs> game developer. Let me just say that. Exactly. <laughs> I'll use the word average because I know there's outliers. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, exactly. And uh, I, I guess not not everyone ends up going on, on these vacations because uh, a lot of people in the video game world are very antisocial um <laughs> they're they're introverts and those people you know man that would just be torture for them so yeah. so they don't go but my wife and i hell yeah we went i was gonna ask what your favorite perks were at valve but clearly that's one of them were there maybe yeah yeah like one or two day-to-day perks that you know valve was notorious for like oh it's free food you get all the games on Steam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is that, is that a thing? You guys get to play any game you want on Steam? Yep. Yep. Fuck. Yeah. yeah any it's game like free you want. games for life. <laughs> <laughs> you know how much money you yeah. save from that? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I think they they technically, I think they have to pay taxes on on the the the, the games the employees download. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. I, I don't know how it works, but um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a big perk, not a problem for them. Um, that's a big perk. Even you know the the guys that are doing uh, Steam support, yeah, they, yeah, those people are all big gamers. Um, uh, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, th- every Thursday was a free was was, was a catered lunch, mm-hmm. um, and then um, they had a kit, kit uh, a well stocked um, main kitchen. Yeah, I, I guess just the typical tech world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it wasn't like uh, like Google yeah. where you had a chef, you know, or anything like that. But um, I think for the video game world, it was it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so then outside of your day-to-day perks, I guess, let's entertain the audience with what was the most ridiculous perk and it, not the annual trip to Hawaii, but like just a random, like, Hey, I was at work today and X happened. This would only happen at valve. You know, do you have a story, something like that? Um, that's how you met. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, it was, uh, Let's see. I don't know if they do this anymore, but I thought it was pretty cool that um, Gabe would take the uh, new employees out for lunch. Yeah. And uh, so it'd be Gabe and then a few other people that were that are on the board of directors. And uh, we went to the steakhouse next door to Valve. And it was just like, uh, you know, yeah, you go to... Uh, kind of Morton's equivalent. Um, oh, it was El Gaucho. That's what it was. I don't know if they had that chain down here, but uh, yeah, you get to go eat a fat steak with Gabe and you get to see him. He's a knife collector, right? So you get to see him uh, pull out his own knives. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, those steak knives at El Gaucho, they just don't cut it. Oh, man, that's, but that, that was pretty wild, right? No, because um, uh, coming out of corporate architecture, um, the managing partners uh, at this large firm that I worked at, no way in hell would they take a new employee, um, a little underling, you know, uh, just staff, you know. Um, so I guess that's the interesting uh, thing is that um, I guess they do realize it, which is good. It's about the people, right? That will mm-hmm. that make make the company. It's not just the partners that are in charge and everyone else is expendable. Yeah. But um, that, that corporate attitude of the course is a little bit too common in the U S which is unfortunate, but I guess there's some outliers out there. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm very surprised, I guess to a degree, like, I mean, these are notes that I'm taking for myself. If I, or when I ever get to that level, like to not forget, uh, about the people who got me there and taking out a staff or employee out to lunch is so simple, but it just means so much. Uh, yeah. You know what your attitude is to towards your employee. Like Larry and I share stories all the time about what the top of the guy does to the lower guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like there's so many stories, yeah. of, like bad incidents, but I yeah. can't even think of a time where my CEO boss or of some sort of the company took me out on a lunch and say, what's up and have a conversation. Yeah. It's always like a hallway drive by, 
highs. Right. Or even that, you know, it's more like, right. You're right for me kind of thing. So it, yeah. And, you know, in the film world, uh, being a union set designer, I was, uh, below the line. Um, you, you have a structure in the film world below the line and above the line, above the line are the, uh, actors, writers, producers, uh, directors. Um, and so as a set designer, you know, you're not supposed to talk to the director that just walked in the art department office. You're not supposed to talk to the, uh, the actor, um, like, uh, Christian Bale walked in on three Tim Yuma, you know, and checked out the big model that, uh, I had built. Um, did he yell at no, no. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he walked in. Fucking shot. <laughs> I, I tell you what happened. This is a funny story because uh, so he walked into the art department with the director James Mangold, um, and they're looking at they're going over this town model, this Western town model, and James Mangold is eating Cheetos. Mm-hmm. Right, he's just eating these Cheetos, and the the, the model that I built is, is a white museum board model. And he's sitting there with his greasy fucking Cheeto fingers touching the model. And I'm just going, no, you know, it's just, just Cheeto, Cheeto grease and dust everywhere. And, uh, you know, he knew, he knew. We, I work where I'm back there. I, I guess. That, yeah, exactly. A privilege now. Right. Yeah. Uh, the model got, Got it wholly dusted by Cheeto. <laughs> Cheeto grease. Oh man. But that's a good one. But yeah, man, like that type of attitude happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like uh do the work, but uh sit and be seen, but do not speak. <laughs> I can I can't stand that kind of attitude. F that. F yeah. that. It's, it's yeah. weird, man. Yeah, I'm so glad that we don't have that above the line, below the line kind of BS. Uh, it's just uh, you know, even even uh, at Turtle Rock now, the owners, uh, Chris and Phil, you know, they're 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 not in offices. They're they're just out in the, out in the pods with the rest of us. So it's pretty cool, right? When you're hopefully, I mean, Larry, like, are your bosses in the trenches with you, or do they have offices? No, they have offices, but they do walk the halls and. Uh are known for coming to see what you're doing and give you some suggestions or feedback. <laughs> what the chain do the drive by <laughs> the infamous drive by. Uh, it's, yeah. it's cool. Over there. There's this one Reddit thread a couple of years back that I still laugh at. It's like just comparing, uh, like a uh, little clips from movies uh-huh. on the tech industry. Like a lot of the office, like, like gifs where, uh, Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Where yeah. they would just say something like, "Oh, this is what your boss does behind closed offices," and it's uh, uh, Dwight from the office <laughs> using blinds. his fingers to to spread the blinds open, <laughs> and then smiling at the camera. <laughs> but it just hits the nail, man, on the head when it comes to like just the funny things that tech companies do, like game industry stuff. It's just everyone's relatively the same yeah. person. With a different name, <laughs> yeah. But like, it's- yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that delayed first name when you're like, "Hey, uh, Larry. Hey, uh, so what, you know what I mean? Like that's 
Just <laughs> that say <laughs> dead giveaway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with the amount of you know, there, there's, there's a lot of turnover in terms yeah. of not. I mean, not just layoffs, but uh, people leave on their own accord. Um, yeah. Every couple, of, yeah, I mean, it just seems like, uh, uh, and it's been like this with my career too. It's like you know, you're at a place. Um, two, three, four, five years, you know, but, and then, uh, and then after a project, right. That that's when people really do kind of, yeah, kind of move on after a project. Once, once you got, once, once we ship, right. Yeah. So yeah, you get those new faces in there and you got you know, going on the wiki, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is it? Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to find the pick. All the pronouns until you remember their name. Hey, buddy. All right. So, man. Yeah. Cool, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that I, I've, I've seen people that will not remember people's names on, uh, uh, on purpose. They just simply say, Hey dude, you know, and it's just how long have we worked together? <laughs> dude, you don't know my name. Don't do <laughs> I'm that guy. You don't know my name. I have to interact with you like three, four times, uh, for me to get your first name on your last name. Forget about it. You 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 have a visual memory then, right? I, you you probably you probably never faces. you never forget yeah, you never forget a face, forget a but face. a name yeah. name is for, forget about it. So like, it's bad because you know I, I talk about this all the time. I'm a teacher. I have a student that I've been teaching for like three years. Don't know his name. <laughs> know his face. Interact with them as in giving critiques. Yeah, life advice. You know how to get by having little issues. But don't know his first name. It's always dude, or what's that? <laughs> so it's bad. I, I don't know. It's like either just too many GMO foods that I ate growing up, or something. It's just it just does not process. So uh, I think I think uh, I think you're a true artiste. Maybe you're just too too focused on. <laughs> no man, and my brain just does not function. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean. Uh, was that surprising to you, the turnover rate or, you know, after a project, people dispersing so often? Uh, not really. I think, uh, I think I learned that in the architecture world as well. Um, right. We, there's a couple expressions. Um, you gotta, you gotta go to grow. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this is my favorite this is the best job I'll ever leave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the architecture world, it's like, no, you really want to get that small, medium, large firm experience. Um, you want to maybe go seek out that, uh, arch that, uh, that master architect that you can kind of work with and, and, uh, that's getting all the big boutique jobs out there. Um, I don't know. You know, that would be like working for Kojima or something like that. Right. Yeah. Like if you, if you really wanted, wanted to seek out a master, but so we don't have that, but um, <laughs> there, you know, yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, again, uh, understanding that you have international listeners. Um, I think here in the U S that's just how, how it rolls, man. Yeah. I mean, do you guys, that, I mean, that's a fun question to ask. Do you guys have like a master designer that you guys would love to, because I can't, uh, outside of me, maybe like, uh, 
Miyamoto, who yeah, yeah, a proven track record of successes behind him. Like, there's not that many designers that just kill it every time, a hundred percent, right? So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you talking for the architecture world? Just anything. Uh, yeah. Well, I I did it. Um, oh shit. Yeah. Uh, so when I was uh, 28 years old, so this is 1998, um, I went to, uh, I moved to Portugal um, and I went there, I brought my portfolio and um, I got a job with, uh, with a modern architect by the name of Alvaro Siza. Mm-hmm. And uh, so here's the thing. Uh, when you get out of architecture school for three years, you're retired to, you're, you're required to do an internship. Mm-hmm. And so for those three years, so in my case, I finished school when I was 23. So when you're going to be 24, 25, 26, um, you make nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're lucky if you make in this country at the time when I graduated, um, I started at eight bucks an hour. Yeah, yeah, brother. With a five-year professional degree, God. Yeah. So I did that for two years, and I said, "Man, I gotta make an effing. I gotta make a diamond out of this lump of coal, right?" So I was like, "Why am I gonna suffer in Portland, Oregon?" Yeah, I can. I can. Why don't I just move to Europe? Yeah. And if I'm going to make crap, you know, I'm getting experience out of this. I'm young. I'm just out of school, relatively single. So my ass moved to, uh, to Portugal and um, brought my portfolio and ended up getting a job there. And I just, I stayed 16 months and um, it's crazy, right? Because you, you not only, it's not like you're, you're just moving within the U S I mean, you, you, when you change countries, man, you change, you change language, mm-hmm. you, you change food, mm-hmm. you, you, you leave behind your, your friends, all your friends and family. I mean, there's so many things that change in the, you know, but it, it's, it was a good experience in that, you know, eyes wide open, you know, now the more you travel, the more you'll realize that, um, we're, we're all kind of the same. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, and I think through studying architecture, I caught the travel bug. And so I think that was one of the, but you know what? Well, crap. I mean, we have, uh, I have an old coworker who he just moved to, um, to London. Um, he was a young guy, young programmer and to work with, uh, is it rock steady? The guy's making yeah, Batman games, the, the Batman games. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, it happens in this industry too. So yeah, if you're, if you're in a lull or if you're, you know, not where you want to be, I mean, why not pick a, a, a go work for tequila, is it tequila sunrise in Madrid, Spain, yeah. or, um, go work for arcane Lyon, France. Mm-hmm. Why not? Uh, Oh, we had coworkers that worked at, uh, they worked at Crytek in Germany. Oh. We have a couple level designers that did the whole Crytek thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a proponent of that. Um, but again, I, I did that when I was young. I did that when I was 20, 28, yeah. 29. That's the one thing I would have done differently. Uh, 
you know, as a young guy in the industry, I would have done that. There you go. Right. Right. It makes so much more sense. Uh, looking back, <laughs> it would have been fun learning the language, learning the culture and being in the game industry because right when you get old or have kids or, or anything like that, you can't do that yeah. anymore. Yeah. Nope. Nope. It's pretty nope. You can't do that. Yeah. 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 There's definitely that time and place for it. There's that window. Um, but uh, the $8 an hour really pushed me in that direction. <laughs> sure. But that's, you know, I have to give you kudos, though, because a lot of people would look at that and say, I have $8 an hour to make my current living situation work. Whereas you're like, I'm making $8 an hour. I may as well get the most out of this somewhere else. You know, that's yeah. a lot and, of people would not even think to make a call like that. And, you know, it, am I going to hustle as an intern in L.A.? Uh, New York City, Chicago, which is what if you, you know, if you're interested in architecture, what you do, the big cities are the magnet cities. Mm-hmm. Hell no. You know, why, why New York City? Why? Why can't it be Porto, Portugal, you know, or Lisbon or Rome, you know, or 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 Tokyo? Um, so. Yeah, that. um so, so getting to work for Alvaro Siza, getting to work for a, a master architect, uh, that does it, it to see his approach, um, to how j- just to be there. Um, it's, I, I guess it's a little bit like getting the opportunity to work at valve, right. Um, in retrospect, I was, I was very fortunate. It's, it's, you get a, you, you get a peek inside, uh, Willy Wonka's ch- chocolate factory, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if you don't mind, like, you know, people like Larry, who, who doesn't know who this guy is, uh, like what's his famous, most famous work that we can. Uh, uh, Alvaro Siza is um, uh, he's more known probably on the East Coast of the U.S. Um, as a Portuguese modern architect. Uh, I mean, most of his projects obviously are in Portugal. Um, so he's not like a like a Frank Gehry you know, Disney concert hall kind of name. But if you're in the industry, um, you would definitely know of, of his work. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he has a really cool uh, project in, um, in Brazil, the um, Carmago Foundation. Um, it's a museum, uh, really cool museum in Porto, Portugal. Uh, the the Seralvish Museum, um, but yeah, it it uh, here here's the thing with uh, these uh, they call them star architects. Um, you know the the best commissions. It's a little bit like in the video game world, like oh, are you 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 get to work on AAA games, right? Mm-hmm. Or in the feature film world, you get to work on a tentpole film like Guardians of the Galaxy. So in the architecture world, it's like. If you get a museum commission, a big museum project, yeah, that's the gravy right there. So, well, uh, I think the biggest new museum or like architectural gravy that I can think of is isn't like Obama bringing a a new building to Chicago, like a presidential center? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the architect they picked. Um, I think David Ajay, um, out of, uh, out of London, England, I think is, and yeah, he's, he's a top notch 
he's a, he's a younger architect, but um, he's won a lot of awards. Um, but yeah, they, they picked the right guy for that, for that Obama project, I believe. Well, sir, actually, I just glanced at my watch and I have to inform us all that we have been podcasting for over an hour. And anyone who's familiar with this show knows that this is the time where Brandon and I just take a back seat and allow you to talk directly to the audience to promote, to broadcast, or to raise awareness for something that you're working on or something that you're passionate about. So without further ado, sir, the floor is yours. Oh, thanks for having me. Number one, um, I think, uh, you know, what you guys are doing is pretty damn awesome because it becomes a... a resource, right. For, for, uh, you know, I could see a, a younger version of myself, you know, getting turned on to this podcast, really loving it. Um, Thanks, man. so I, I, you know, I, nothing, nothing for me to promote because I'm, you know, where I sit right beside Brandon and <laughs> at turtle rock studios, uh, uh, other than, uh, I guess we got, uh, if you're in the industry, we got, we got a bunch of, uh, we got some potential job postings that you might want to check out, right? Maybe that's the only thing to plug on, on the Turtle Rock side. Uh, but uh, no, hey man, GDU, thank you guys. Thank you. Well, it is that time of day. Matter of fact, it's night. My name is Larry Charles and I'm saying good night. It's Brent Fam. Thank you for listening. See you guys next week. Oh, you want me to? <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash gamedevunchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash gamedevunchained.